they probably won't be around very long because if they're assertive enough to approach you, they're also assertive enough to leave and approach somebody else that's going to give them the feedback that they're looking for and like the growth that they're looking for. Because feedback, it's not just, oh, tell me I did good. Um, you know, like, tell me, tell me what I'm doing great. You know, it, it's like, hmm, I'm actually not sure how I'm doing. Um, and I, I, I want to grow. Like it, like feedback is growth. And so, I mean, I could, I, I've, I've probably said it a hundred times in this, in this, in this podcast. So hopefully it hits home, but you know, I think feedback is the biggest thing and, and being available to give it. You know? Yeah. And I think it, it works both ways the same way because, you know, um, we're not giving uh, business owners. We're probably not giving enough feedback. We're probably not meeting with people often enough. How often do you do your reviews? How often do you give a review without an increase? And then you've got, um, then you've got um, someone who's. We talked about the average job today. We it used to be 12, 10 to twelve years, and now it's you know three to four years. People stay, and that's a problem. I don't think people. I don't think people actually want that. I think people actually want to find a place they can sink teeth into and establish some roots. Um, but they don't take the time to meet with the owner or the boss or the manager or the opera yeah. operations manager or anyone. They don't take the time and say, hey, if things were a little bit different, I don't want to leave. I want to stay. Mm -hmm. I But they don't. They they're e The easy way out is just bail, mm -hmm. thinking that grass is greener across the street and it's not long. You're going to you're going to see that grass has a lot of weeds in it, yeah. probably more weeds than what you left. Um, because lack of communication. Hey, this is Greg McAfee, and welcome to The Greg McAfee Show. Now let's get started. Hi, this is Greg McAfee, and welcome to the Greg McAfee Show. Um, as always, if you guys have not subscribed to the YouTube or pod channel, feel free to do so right now. Um, you know we put out this content um, every week uh, to help you succeed, be better in business, and, of all, and always, rather, sleep better at night. Uh, so if you would, click on those notifications right there, and every Tuesday when we put these out, you'll be one of the first to receive it. So today I am honored to have my son, Travis McAfee, with us. And we've been talking about doing one of these. And uh, I'm just glad we got together. And we're going to talk to Travis a little bit about um, what he's doing uh, right now and also um, how he worked um, uh, growing up in the company at McAfee Heating and Air and uh, just kind of the uh, stuff we uh, did together and stuff like that. So we're going to get this kicked off. And we're also, the, the most important thing here, not only do I get the honor of uh, interviewing my son, um, but we get to learn more about Generation Y and a little bit more about Generation Z, uh, how to motivate them, how to employ them, and how to be uh, more successful with them. So uh, that's uh, some of the takeaways you're going to have from this show. Uh, so, welcome, Travis. Well, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. So, um, let's let's tell the audience a little bit about uh, your history. Uh, you're 26 years old, and uh, we're going to talk we're going to talk a lot about you today. But we're also going to learn a lot about uh, basically millennials and how to uh, hire and motivate them. But um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about your history. How old uh, 
were you when you started working at McAfee Heating and Air? Uh, well, I think it really started when we uh, built our new building um, just next door here in 1998. Uh, moved out of the garage, moved into the building for the first time. You know, things, little things just needed done. So uh, while you were doing some of the bigger things, you just said, hey, I need you to go uh, empty trash cans. And uh, I don't remember if you paid me or not, but that was my first job um, at McAfee. Then it kind of bumped up to uh, sweeping out the warehouse. Um, you know, eventually helping some of the guys wash trucks, little things like that. And then uh, I got put in a truck for the first time with uh, one of our service techs who's uh, pretty much been with us for just about just about since the inception of the company. Uh, Chris, I, I rode with him uh, running a few service calls, carrying his uh, his toolbox and whatnot, about eight, eight nine years old. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you did. Uh, I know you did. Uh, service. You helped Chris with service. And then eventually uh, you started helping out with some air duct cleaning. Mm -hmm. And we got into uh, carpet cleaning for a few years. And uh, the only reason we got out of carpet cleaning, it was very successful, but we had to uh, either we had to either lower our prices to compete with some of the big companies um, or just maintain that higher price and gradually grow. And um, after discussing it with our board of advisors, we just decided to sell the uh, carpet cleaning business and stay more focused on what we do. And that's uh, that's a whole nother class guys. Um, oh, so, so anyway, you started with, uh, you actually got into carpet cleaning. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, had a gentleman here that pretty much ran our, our carpet cleaning division. Uh, great guy. Um, but yeah, just uh, riding, uh, riding in the van with him. It, that was, I think carpet cleaning was probably my favorite thing to do because I was able to be the most involved. Um, it, it was hard to mess up. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, you were going in and cleaning up other people's messes and then, you know, making it look better than you found it. And that was relatively easy to do. So I would say probably, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, I was, I was doing carpet cleaning pretty regularly and, and actually really enjoyed it. So. And then I know we got you into install. So you kind of became an install helper mm -hmm. uh, for a while. Um, but um, so you, the long story is you worked in uh Fabrication shop. Oh, uh, yeah. You worked in sheet metal shop mm -hmm. for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Off and on. Um, yeah, among other things. I, but, yeah, air duct cleaning was another one. It's another one of those that's hard to mess up. So, uh, you know, it's, again, you go go in there, uh, leave it cleaner than you found it, make sure the customer's happy. It's, that was another thing I learned pretty early on was, was customer service. Um, we had a few guys here that uh, were actually extremely good Um you know, just being able to uh, really put the customer at ease. And so I learned a lot from them, too, in dealing with people. So it was more than just the, the labor experience. It was also watching others be really good and sometimes not so good with people and, and learning from that. So it, it was a great experience. Um, but I, I'll tell you what, uh, and I know and I know you enjoyed that. It was extra money. You got to, uh, you know, make money and uh, work and have responsibility and, and – uh, before you drove, I would bring you into work with me um, or someone would pick you up or whatever. But then when you started driving, you had to be here for work. Um, but I remember, you know, as time went on, we you were also during the summer, um, possibly during your college years. And we're going to talk about what you've done in college. But um, I think we made you a driver mm -hmm. and you took that to heart. I mean, you were like because um, everybody was like drive. Deliveries were so much more efficient and all that kind of stuff. And then when you went back to school, you actually said you wanted to um, help hire the next driver. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, thanks for letting me do that. Um, it, it didn't work out, just for the record. I, I 
um, it was a good good experience, you know, trying to interview someone. Because, like, before, before I started doing that job, it was more or less just, like, a guy driving in a truck. There was no, there was no, like, planning out the day. There was no, okay, it makes, like, I have to be, you know, in these three different parts of town today. How can, okay, this guy works a little bit faster than this guy, this, but he's farther, like, you just, and, and he's farther away. So you kind of have to think about who is doing the job, where the job is, what supply houses you have to go to that day, what equipment is needed. And so you, you basically create your route first thing in the morning. And that was really never done before. So um, I think it's probably running smoother now, even than when I started. But, you know, I, I think I will take credit for kind of kickstarting some of that. Well, and, you gave yeah. a logistics course. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. you, you had uh, you put it up on the big screen and you had uh, applicants be, uh, they had to figure out how to get from point A to point B the fastest. Yeah, I gave them a little quiz. Yeah, and it, um, yeah, it was, it was like I said, great experience. Um, ended up not working out, but you you win some, you lose some. Uh, but yeah, the the interview itself was pretty cool. I did, I put them through a little test, and they I basically gave them a map of Dayton, Ohio, and uh, basically tasks throughout the day, and uh, basically put like stars up on the. I did it on my computer and projected it to the screen, and I just had stars like, okay, you got a job here, 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 and here. You know everything I talked about. Here's your here's where your supply houses are. Oh wait, you know there's this one supply house we never go to. But, um, you know, the, none of the other ones have the part that we need. So you got to go like a little bit extra out of your way. How you going to how you going to map out your day and still make sure everyone has um, their metal and parts that they need to get the job done on time. And um, it was pretty cool. Uh, I think it kind of threw the, the applicants off guard a little bit. Um, but I, I, both of them did well um, for the most part, you know, so it's it's but just getting people to think um, you're not just getting in a truck and driving, um, and also getting the 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 other members of the team, the installers, uh, to realize like, oh, well, you know, this isn't just uh, a guy that gets to sit in a truck all day and and drive and listen to music. You know, like there there's if if my day is going smoothly, so is theirs. You know, and and that's that's important. Right. And the systems we have in place at McAfee, um, we pick up we pick up uh, a custom made metal for the job and deliver it. And at that time they should have the system tore out and the driver picks it up, takes it, uh, strips it, takes it to the scrap yard, brings back the aluminum, copper, all that kind of stuff. So it, it made a big difference. And he's, uh, Travis said, even though it didn't work out well, the first person he hired for this position, it, he didn't work out, but that's lesson learned because that happens a lot in business. So, Mm -hmm. so be it. All right. So now let's, uh, Kind of, you know, the the listeners um, have heard that you've worked um, McAfee growing up since you were five years old, um, thought you were going to work here, you know, um, and take over the business someday. And then at ninth grade, what happened? Um, I uh, was really inspired by uh, some some football coaches that I had uh, who were also teachers. And, um, you know, just kind of at that point, knew that I wanted to be a teacher, coach, mentor in some capacity. And, and at that time, I, I thought it was, um, you know, to, to, be a, to be a classroom teacher and to be a football coach. And so I just decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue that route and see what happens. And um, still on that, still on that path, still on that journey. Um, it didn't end up like it did, like I thought it would when I was in ninth grade, but it's going well. And uh, yeah, still on that trajectory. So yeah, so he came to me and said, "Dad, are you going to be upset if I don't come into the business?" And uh, I said, "I don't know. What are you going to do?" <laughs> and he said, "I really feel led to teach." And I said, "Then what did I say?" 
facts than he, than he needed to teach. And be the best teacher you can be. Right, yeah. So, um, so at ninth grade, he decided he didn't want to come into the business. And, of course, at ninth grade, sometimes you change your mind 10 times before your uh, 12th grade. But he didn't. He stuck with it. And uh, he um, – so you went to – well, first you got a football scholarship, mm-hmm. and you played football for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and the football coach that recruited you left, and he ran the ball. Yeah. And the new football coach didn't run the ball. Yeah, the the short version of that is I uh, I I chose uh, to go to this school because of the coach and because of the offense that they were running, as opposed to finding a school that I liked and enjoyed and would want to be there even if you know something happens and I wasn't able to play anymore. So, you know, again, lessons learned, you know. Um, but I ended up I ended up not doing that. I ended up leaving after after the first semester, as actually did many of us. There was kind of some toxic leadership there, which we can talk about later on and. A more broader sense, but um, yeah, a lot of a lot of the people that came in uh, in my class ended up leaving after the first semester, and uh, we all kind of went our separate ways. I ended up just doing finishing out freshman year uh, here at Sinclair Community College, which uh, I'll plug. Uh, you know, I I really am thankful for that experience. It's a good school. Um, they 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 do a lot um, uh, in the community, training a lot of people for. All sorts of jobs, uh, not just academia. So it's a, it's a good place to be. But anyway, um, then ended up at Ohio University. Uh, you know, this whole time still pursuing the uh, social studies education route. Did that. Um, taught junior high. I taught high school first for a little bit, um, and then ended up teaching junior high for two years. Um, social studies, and and actually it was at a Catholic school, and out of necessity ended up teaching religion and uh, fell in love with it. Uh, I just realized the kids were really hungry for that stuff, but I, I realized I also had a lot to learn, which led me to um, you know, pursue studies uh, at Boston College, which is which is what I'm doing now. So I'm I'm continuing my my own learning so that I can be a better teacher in the long run. So, so just so everyone knows, you got your bachelor's at Ohio University. I did, and then you got a master's at University of Dayton, mm-hmm. and you were in a program there where you taught. Um, what seventh and eighth graders? Yeah, that was really great. It was just uh, it was it's called Lavon, and uh, it's uh, basically a living community with the University of Dayton. So we were all teachers living together, um, and teaching in, in various quote unquote under resourced schools, and um, yeah, excellent experience. And and basically our compensation for um, because we weren't we were the reason we were there was so that the school could have quality teachers without having to. Um, you know, pay a full teacher salary. So it was a way to kind of give a, a hand up to to these under resourced schools. And so my compensation then was a place to live, and uh, my education at UD. So it was good. And then you uh, applied at Bo- at several colleges, mm-hmm. um, hi- higher end colleges such as Boston College, and uh, Boston College made you an offer um, that you couldn't refuse. That's true. And uh, and then you got married. During COVID, mm-hmm. um, and you didn't have that big big wedding you guys planned because of COVID, but you wanted to be married before you moved to Boston. Yeah. So we had a nice little wedding of ten people. Yep. And uh, Tiffany was number our daughter, her uh, Travis's sister, my daughter was number ten, yep. and she played photographer. Mm-hmm. That's how we got her there. Yeah. So anyway, um, you moved to Boston, and you've uh, now you've got one year under your belt at Boston College. Mm-hmm. Two more to go. Two more to go. Um, but what else? What else happened along the way? What you're doing right now? Um, ROTC. A lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, 
uh, you know, just going back to, yeah, you know, I told him that I was considering other things in the ninth grade. Um, but going back even further than that, I remember, you know, at the, uh, the kindergarten graduations, you know, they make this video montage of all the kids like, what do you want to be when you grow up, you know? And so, uh, you know, everybody, I think there was some cool answers out of my little kindergarten class. I don't remember it, but we have the tape. So I was able to watch it like years later, but, uh, they, you know, they said, what do you want to be when you grow up, Travis? And I said, a U.S. Marine, um, cause that's what my dad was. So that, that influence there, but it, it seriously was, it was something I wanted to do, um, from a young age, considered it, you know, um, junior, senior year of high school, uh, but ended up having the opportunity to, uh, to play football. And so, uh, went ahead and did that. Um, frankly thought I missed the boat for the military. Uh, but I was actually taking my sixth graders on a field trip to the Air Force Museum here in Dayton, um, which is also a cool place. I'll plug if you've never been. Uh, but they, just seeing some of the active duty and retired, um, what do they call them, airmen? <laughs> Something yeah. like that. Yeah, so active and retired airmen and women uh, there at the Air Force Base and, and just talking to them, it kind of reignited this, this interest. It's like, man, I, I always wanted to do that. And then, you know, COVID hit, and that was kind of a time for reevaluation, I think, for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I started doing some research and realized that I can, they're not mutually exclusive. I can, I can pursue what I've been pursuing and still, you know, take uh, the scenic route, so to speak, and do ROTC as a graduate student at Boston College. So I'm uh, doing Army ROTC there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, go, I head off to what's called basic camp. Um, so it's about a month long training at Fort Knox in Kentucky. I leave Monday morning. So yeah, and today's uh, Saturday, um, the third. Uh, so he leaves the fifth, and it's basically like an officer um, officer candidate class per se. ROTC is just officer candidate school extended over four years, basically. Yeah. So um, so you're going to spend thirty days or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway. Uh, proud of you for doing that, and then you plan on serving. Like I think you might have said this, but you plan on serving three years active. Yeah, for now, um, that's the game plan. And yeah. uh, and then come out and pursue your PhD with a GI Bill, and then uh, it'll be done. <laughs> and then you'll be done. <laughs> and then I can go uh, go go he's, teach and mentor and do what I've always wanted to do. So he's got seven years of college under his belt, and that's seven years more than me. <laughs> okay, so uh, but proud of you. And uh, you've you know, you've stuck with it, and uh, hopefully you know you'll be a professor someday if that's where God leads you, and we'll go from there. But I also want to say, um, let's see, let's let's uh, knowing a little history uh, about you, and then um, what we want to talk about today is you know the experience you've had with the uh, Generation Y, which is what you are, and then Tiffany uh, being seventeen, she's Generation Z. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk a little bit about that because you've taught those kids. Mm-hmm. So today, as you're you're talking to uh, a lot of business owners who own small businesses, and small businesses could be, um, you know, three people, and, and or it could be three, uh, all, you know, up to fifteen hundred people or so. Um, small businesses do have a they have a weird definition because uh, I, I would never thought a fifteen hundred person company would be a small business, but it is. Um, anyway. So we want to talk a little bit about um, what do the Generation X that we hire, and Generation X could be, what, 20? Talking about Generation Y? Generation Y, rather. Why? Yeah, I keep calling it Generation <laughs> X. So Travis is Generation Y. Millennials, um, the dreaded millennials. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so we're talking about 
those and uh, at 26 years of age. Let's talk about, um, you know, first of all, hiring them. What could we what could we do differently hiring, interviewing them and hiring one of them versus someone, you know, my age? Well, what do you think? What do you think uh, companies are doing now? Like, what, what do you think the current practice is? Like, what, what is, what's your hiring practice, generally speaking, and why do you think it needs to be adapted, first off? And then I'll answer your question. Well, I mean, for the most part, people put an ad out somewhere, whether it's on Indeed or whether it's in a newspaper or whether it's online or whether it's on Facebook or whatever, social media. Um, and, and, and we're trying to attract someone who is um, either right out of trade school or experienced, or in some cases today, we we train, um, if they're mechanically inclined, we will train them and send them to school. So, um, you know, I guess I, I guess we just need to know what, um, how could we, what could we do better to attract a Generation Y person to a trade? Because mm. that's, that's what we all know, that they would rather go to college or they are they pushed yeah. into college a lot of times. They don't choose. They, they're, it's demanded you go to college for four years. Mm-hmm. So how do we get how do we get more generation Y millennials into the trade? You think? Yeah, um, yeah. So I think I think that's a good thing to uh, to mention is that uh, you know a lot of people at least think or have been pushed um, you know that they need to go to college. And I know it may sound a little funny that we just sat here talking about all the college that I've done and am doing and will do uh, in order to pursue my goals. Um, but that's that's not for everybody. And frankly, if it wasn't necessary, I wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> but it, right. is, it is necessary for what I want to do in the long run, and so I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it isn't for everyone. And someone asked me the other day, you know, are you going to, you know, like, would you, are you going to make your kids go to college? And I, I said, absolutely not. You know, there's, there's a lot of other options. Um, it really just depends on what they want to do. It depends on their personality, their maturity. Um, you know, some people may need to go to college, but frankly, they need to take a gap year and go live on their own um, and, and do something, you know, actually have to pay some bills for a little bit um, and then go to college and, and reevaluate and then have a better sense of what you're trying to do, a better sense of purpose. I think that's the big thing. So, my main answer to your question is how do you how do you attract people? Show them that what they're doing is purposeful. Show them that what they're doing, that your industry, not just your industry, but even your place of business is contributing to the greater good of your community because everybody's kind of, I don't want to say everybody, but many, many of us are kind of striving for this purpose. We don't exactly know what it is yet. Um, and, and, you know, we could, we could talk all day about, you know, why that is. Why, what is this plague of purposelessness that's, that's, that's hitting the world? Um, but nonetheless, it exists. And everybody just, they truly desire uh, to make a difference. You know, they were told as a kid, like, you can do whatever you want. You can make a difference. You can do this, that, and the other. And uh, so they, they actually internalized that. I think most of us did and, 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 and genuinely, genuinely desire to have purpose and to make a difference. And so, um, you know, how can... You and I were talking about this a little bit earlier, but if are, is anyone going to notice if they're not at work that day? You know, is anyone like are is it going to affect the company negatively if they're if they're gone? Is it going to affect the company positively when they're there? Like they want to know that they're a part of something. They're not just showing it. It's not about you know money's important, but it's not about the paycheck um, as much as it is. Am I am I doing something today that's making my life 
and or somebody else's life better, <laughs> you know, whatever that job is, whatever that industry is. And I know we're painting, you know, we're talking about a whole generation here, so we're painting with a broad broad brush. But nonetheless, I think everybody's just striving for purpose. And, and how is it, how can you make your company, your industry attractive and purpose-filled, you know, for these, for these younger kids that just want to do good in the world, you know? Yes. So, um, if I, I, and I, and I coach a lot of different companies and a lot of people do things differently. And I always say, well, you know, your, you, whatever drives you, that's what you should, uh, continue to do within your company. So in other words, uh, community effort, community support, whatever, whatever, um, drives you is that's what you should, you know, lead, lead on. And for us, it was always children. It was always, um, indoor air quality, breathing better, because that's what we do. We're in the indoor air quality business. Uh, so we help a lot of kids with asthma and, and COPD and, and uh, allergies and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we have for years, we started our own foundation in 2006. So, you know, how do those types of things, um, getting involved in different charities and stuff, what does that do for a generation Y? Yeah, I mean, that's... That's big. You know, that, that definitely contributes to that, at least attempts to contribute to that, to that greater purpose. Um, sorry, I was, just, I was also kind of just um, thinking about a question I was going to ask. I was going to ask, um, you know, what, what is it about heating and air conditioning that contributes to the, to the greater good, you know? Because humans lived without air conditioning for a very long time. And, uh, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of people just look at the trade as, you know, I don't know, I, I think a lot of people have this, uh, this negative stereotype of, uh, you know, just like, Trades. The, yeah, the, like, you know, the plumbers crack more or less. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so they're like, well, I want to, I want to do something that stimulates me intellectually, that stimulates me physically, that allows me to contribute to my community, like you talked about. Like Excuse why 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 in the world is uh, heating and air or plumbing so important to the community? I think, yeah, we've my generation since we're talking about them has has we've pretty much grown up with a lot of these things that we take for granted. Whereas when they were first invented, it's like wow, like this is actually making people's lives a lot easier, and we're you know able to uh, populate more, we're able to expand more, we're able to grow as a human race. And so like it's it it is objectively good. But I think that's been miscommunicated down the line and now like it's just considered, well that's what you do if nothing else works out and that couldn't be further from the case. Exactly. You know. So, yeah, so what Travis is saying is the kids that go into tr trades, the stereotype is I'll go I'll go into trades if nothing else works out. Yeah, and it shouldn't and be. it shouldn't be that way at all. Yeah, yeah. You know what, what we need to do better as business owners is promote and uh, toward that age group of just how high tech we are yeah. and all this smart stuff we have and all this stuff that helps people um, live better, live easier. Yeah. And um, so, uh, so definitely, it helps having uh, working and helping the community and doing charity events and all the kind of stuff we do. But that really won't keep someone here. Um, as much as letting them know they have a purpose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, a lot of, during COVID, uh, I, I noticed advertising more probably than I had in a long time. And like, uh, like you know, 
the city, one that particularly stands out to me is like the city of Baltimore. Um, like they had, they had all these advertisements like trying to get people to move there, right? Like it's, it's, it doesn't exactly have an amazing reputation and, and economically speaking, it's not exactly thriving, but they're, they're like, they're trying to show it in the best light possible and attract young people to move there for various reasons. And, um, you know, uh, there was also in particular like ads to, uh, to join the, uh, um, Join the police, and I find that extremely interesting. I mean, that you want to talk about an uphill battle trying to get people to uh, be a part of something. The, the police, you know, they they've probably got it worse than anybody right now. Um, and uh, so, I mean, if they're if they and it, it got my attention, um, you know, just they, they made it look attractive. They made it they made it um, look as though like, hey, like people say we have problems in the police industry. Well, you know. Wake up, wake up, look in the mirror. Uh, are you the type of person? Like, could you, do you think you could do it better? Well, here's a challenge. Come to Baltimore, join our police department. Like, just like little things like that. Um, so, like, pose a challenge, provide a problem, a solution, a purpose, you know. And so, like, how can you, how can you use that same philosophy in the trades? How can you get on YouTube, make some ads and say, hey, look, look at all your friends with $120,000 of student debt. Do you want that? Look at your older brother. Look at your older sister. They went to college. How's that working out for them? You know, right? Um, nothing wrong with college. I'm, I'm right. obviously, I'm obviously pro that too. Uh, but if you just go with no purpose, you're going to end up in a lot of debt, and you're going to be miserable. And so, how do you advertise? And how do you, how do you present that to young people and say, hey, this isn't just an alternative. It's a really good route to go. Um, it's not a backup plan. It's, it could be plan A if you want it to be, and you could do really well. And so, yeah, right. Yeah, that's good. And they need, uh, would you agree that Generation Y need a little bit more gratification because of the instant gratification world we live in? So do they need a little bit more praise? Do they need a little bit more something? Yeah, when you put it that way, it, it sounds like really soft, you know, like, oh, they need, they need coddled. Um, I, don't, I think it's more so feedback because um, it, we are used to instant gratification, but we're also used to instant feedback because things happen fast. I mean, we could you know, uh, like we get our grades back instantly on quizzes because we do it online. You know, like it, it grades it immediately. You get your grade back immediately. You get instant feedback. You play video games. Um, you know, you, you, there's no, like some games don't even have loading screens anymore. You don't have to wait. You get instant feedback. And, um, you know, so I think I think if we put it in that light, you know, because if you say, well, they need it make the way the way you said it and I'm not crit criticizing, but like the way you said it. Well, that's the way we say it as business owners. So we need to know this. Yeah, so it just, it sounds like you're coddling and like pandering, but no, we just want we just want quick feedback. So we're that's what we're used to. If we did a job well done, say hey, uh, you know that was really awesome. Maybe here's uh, here's what I'd like to see next time because like like I'm I'm beginning to trust you and trust your work. Here's what I want to see next time. Keep up the good work. Um, or hey, actually, um, you know that that the way you did that. Mm, may have worked, um, but maybe we can tweak it a little bit to maybe match our company culture a little bit better here and there. So like, just be quick on your feedback, positive or negative. Um, so going back, just so we don't miss anything, where, where's, the best, where's the best place to find someone your age uh, or younger to um, attract them to uh, our trade? YouTube, Instagram. Okay. I think those are the big two. And I think you said... And we're probably going to talk about this, so I don't want to steal your thunder as we as we shared some ideas this morning. I think you said it's very important for companies to stay 
up with technology. Yeah. So if they're not on YouTube and they're not on Instagram, what is that saying? Uh, that's 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 saying that you're uh, you're not listening. <laughs> you're not you're not observing the world, um, and that's problematic. Because if you're not, I mean, that's pretty simple. Like I, I think everybody uses YouTube nowadays in some capacity. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's not it's not a good it's not a good look. It it means that that you're not paying attention to the world around you, and so why would you pay attention to me as an employee? Boy, that's good. Uh, well said. Um, so when we go back to that instant gratification, um, didn't you say something about Generation Z? How did they want to call nine one one? I forget what we were talking about, but somebody the other day was telling me that they had a student that tried to text 911. <laughs> Luckily, they're okay, but just in the situation they were in, they, they wanted to text 911. <laughs> so, but they grew up texting. Yeah. I mean, they grew up texting. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can sit around and compare because I talk about this all the time about we serve five generations. From the greatest generation ever, there are people in their late 80s that still own homes. Mm. We service their homes. And then you got the baby boomers, and you got the Generation X, you got the Generation Y, and then you got some of the Z coming in yep. that are starting to buy homes. Mm. So that's five different generations. Do you know, you know, for the later baby boomers and the gener- and the greatest generation ever, I mean, when you just when you used to go to a bank, they didn't have drive-through. You had to go into the bank. Mm. Then they got drive-throughs. And now you don't even have to go to the bank because you had a check. I'm just going to cash yeah, just, it here. I don't have to go to the bank. You just asked me yesterday, did you, did you go to the bank? I'm like, no, I'm just going to do it on my phone. <laughs> yeah. So you're just, it's, it's, it's quick. We talked about quick, give good responses, feedback fast. Um, you know, we also, you're just used to quick things. Yeah. You're, and, and here, so here this kid's, this kid's texting 911 because he grew, that's all he grew up with. But I also want to talk about, you know, you mentioned also, we can't we can't put all Generation Y in one box and go oh they're all babies they're all millennials <laughs> right, right? Yeah. and uh, it has a lot to do with how you were raised it does yeah and I mean some of your friends first of all even at a young age some of your friends were getting when the iPhone first came out or when the uh, fancier phones the what were they called the BlackBerry phones came out and all mm. that stuff some of your friends had those what mm. did you have um, I had a Virtually indestructible, like Motorola, uh, yellow and black flip phone. Construction phone. Yeah, with like numbers like this big. You know. uh, yeah. And the only only reason we got you that was for emergencies. Yeah, it only, you, it only it uh, only actually it was Nextel. You remember the Nextel? Like you yeah. Walkie talkie, like anywhere. That right. was cool. Um, so it was mostly used as my walkie talkie for mom and dad, and that was about it. Yeah. yeah. So when you go to camps and stuff, we would, you know, if you needed us, you could you could text us. Yeah. But but a lot of your friends had the fancier stuff. They were given the fancier stuff. When you started in high school, um, how how did you get a car? Uh, well, uh, basically, I bought mom's I bought mom's car. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sure we gave you a good deal, but you had to save your own money and you had to pay for that car. How did you buy your own gas? Uh, I worked. Yeah. While other kids didn't, I, I remember you telling me somebody got like a new BMW once or a brand new GT500 Mustang. Mm. Not always the best choice for a child. Yeah. I mean, it, and I'm not going to name any names, obviously, but you know, if you, you, you can see how that turned out, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. the, the fruits of that. Have, have, How's that working have for you? Yeah. Um, you know, not everybody, you know, some of them are still they ended up being pretty good people, but uh, other ones, you know, it just got a got a little reckless. What do you expect? You know, if if 
you gave you know you you guys sold me a uh, Chevy Impala with a V6. <laughs> if you would have gave me a, uh, a a new Mustang, I probably would have gotten in some trouble too. <laughs> you know exactly. So, um, so the boundaries you, are good. Yeah, and so uh, far from perfect parents, but we it was very important for us to give you responsibility. It was your responsibility, and sometimes you would mow the yard twice. So you could get paid to have gas uh, or to go out. Definitely needed it sometimes. Sometimes I just did it to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, you know, so I remember, and you worked at McAfee, and you did scrap, and you did a lot of different stuff. Yeah, scrap um, was huge that to was make huge. money. Well, that's the difference, though. Like you, you know, uh, you, you know, it's all providing, uh, but instead of just providing me things, you provided me opportunity. Um, and you gave me the autonomy. Like, I mean, I, I admit, I, you gave me the autonomy to make the money and save the money. Sometimes I didn't save the money. Sometimes I made really poor economical decisions, and I learned from those. And, uh, you know, I've since gotten much better at handling, saving, and investing money. Whereas in the beginning, you know, it was just, you gave me the opportunity to work, but I was like, I worked for this. I'm going to blow it, you know, and that, that didn't work out, and you learn. But, you know, right. you always gave me the opportunity to... Uh, you know, to work and uh, understand the the value of a dollar. And, you know, it just got better over time, you know, matured and, you know, learned how to handle the money and appreciate the money a little more. Yeah. Good. Um, and that's how you learn. If I would have given you everything and and not let you fail, you would have never learned what you've learned so far. Right. right. Um, okay. So uh, um, I want to clarify one thing before we move too far forward. Um, when we were talking about the instant feedback, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean constant feedback. There's a big difference. Um, so you don't want to be the, you know, nobody likes a helicopter parent. Nobody likes a helicopter boss. But when feedback is needed, you know, discern that, you know, you be prudent about, you know, how often you're giving feedback, but don't be afraid to give it. Be eager to give it and give it quick. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's move on. Um, one more subject here, and then we'll, we'll – uh, well, two more. We're going to talk about a little bit about Generation Z, what you know about that. And then we're going to talk about a little bit about your experience of, of leadership being led by bosses or coaches. Mm. Um, and then we'll wrap it up here. So uh, the Generation Z, you taught some 6th, uh, seven, seventh, 7th, and 8th graders. So And you have a sister who's 17. Mm. Um Knowing a little bit about them, um, what kind of uh, what would you say about them? You know, maybe positive, negative. The positive. What's What's interesting is that actually this, from what I understand, this generation is the since we've been studying the progression of generations. This is the first generation to be more traditional and conservative than their parents' generation, uh, which is really interesting. Um, I mean, it, it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. I mean, if you look at who's having kids, it's the more traditional families right now. Um, and so, you know, as a result of that, this upcoming generation is, is having some good roots and some, you know, positive morality and, and, and you know, values, even American values, which, uh, you know, contrary to popular belief still exists, you know. And, um, yeah, so I, I say all of that to say that, you know, there's there's a lot of good things to be said, a lot of things to look forward to with this generation. Um, however, um, from the, you know, from 
you just the things going on in the world around them, you know, they're being perpetually influenced uh, by the world of TikTok and Instagram. And um, that's that can be a really wholesome environment sometimes, but it could also most of the time be a really negative environment and some negative influences. Uh, so parents out there, um, you know, be mindful of that, uh, especially TikTok. Uh, it's pretty much owned by the Communist Party of China. Um, but anywho, that's a story for another day. But yeah, they're, they're being bombarded by some negative influences, but they're all looking for positive role models. So how can you as a team, uh, you as a leader at the top, how can you be, um, you know, it's basically like, let it be trickled down. You know, you have to be an extremely important leader in that. Like I'll use McAfee, for example, that has to trickle down to your leadership team. And then that trickles down to lower level managers. And then, you know, that, that the guys in the trucks are the the guys and gals sitting at uh, the desk in the customer service room, you know, um, you know, it, it all trickles down. It all starts at the top. And so, but everybody's looking for a role model. Everyone's looking for someone. Um, you know, this is, I think this goes for both Y and Z generations. We're looking for people that are wise. We're looking for people that are, um, you know, exemplify virtue, um, not just in the workplace, but in their personal life. And, um, you know, how do you, how do you create an environment? How do you create a company culture um, that promotes virtue, uh, because if you do that, everybody wins. There's no downside to promoting virtue in your workplace. Um, and so I don't know if I answered your question or not, but you know, they, they definitely uh, are looking for attention and they're yearning for positive influence because they get influence all the time and they're yearning for something wholesome. You know, I, I, I truly do believe that. And so how do you, how do you bring that? I, I feel, I don't want to put too much on people's shoulders, um, you know, because individuals have choices and they're going to make decisions and it's not on you as a, as a leader um, necessarily, but do the best you can to uh, be the best and most virtuous leader that you can be. And that will trickle down. And, and that's what people are looking for. They want to wake up and go to work at a place that's going to make them a better person. Kind of like what we were talking about earlier, it all comes back to purpose. Um, you know, it's, it's, you don't, you don't want people that are coming in to clock in and clock out. And if you don't want that, create a culture that recognizes what we do every day matters. And by you being here, you also matter. And, you know, it's just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, it's, it, good. it's, you have to create a culture where people feel like they matter. And if they're not there, people notice and not just notice, but like miss them being there, you know, and, and that, that sounds all yeah, kind of hippie, but whatever, you know, like it's, you really have to create an environment where people want to get up and come to work every day. And, and if they don't, um, you know, people can't wait for them to get back. You know, like they, you know, uh, everybody everybody wants to feel validated and appreciated and, and feel like they're pursuing purpose and the greater good. And, you know, so. And what I've learned the hard way is because because I'm gener I'm motivated rather by making money, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I love sales. And every salesperson I know is motivated by making money, but but not every generation Y and Generation Z are motivated by making money. What are they motivated no, by? I think I think it's because um, I think it's because they've they've seen. I mean, we have we have like we have news at our fingertips whenever we want, and you, you hit the refresh button. You're just it's constant. Like we're 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 constantly being updated with what's going on in the world. At least we should be. Um, some people just uh, watch cat videos and whatnot, but <laughs> you know we have access to a lot of information, and because of that, we've seen a lot of corruption, and so. Um, the, there's a misconception that the root of all evil is money. It's not. It's the love of money. And frankly, the, the love of money in the past few decades and in the previous generation has led to a lot of corruption, and that's a huge turnoff. 
And so uh, a lot of people, honestly, they're not interested in that because they, they see it as a, a huge burden on not just them, but on society to just pursue money, pursue money, pursue money. So for them, they really just want to be comfortable, I think. And, you know, I, I'm, again, we're painting with a broad brush. Don't forget that. But I think I think people really just want to be comfortable. They want to be able to um, make enough to enjoy some of the finer things in life, to be able to travel, to be able to spend time with family, have flexibility. Um, you know, that's huge. It's not about the paycheck as much anymore. I think because I think my generation and the one behind me more than anyone has been able to see just how much the love of money can corrupt. And so it's it's kind of a turnoff. Well, yeah. and they've been um, blinded by um, or brainwashed, I'd say, by um, capitalism is evil. Yeah. I think that's that's the thing. Um, not having the proper understanding of economics, uh, and and just you know, like I said, I think what I said is true. You know, like we've we've noticed that the love of money is has created a lot of problems and led to a lot of corruption and human suffering, and um, that gets correlated with capitalism. You know, and so um, right. you know, anything. Anything can be turned into something ugly, and uh, but like just to you know slap a label on it, capitalism's bad. That's that's problematic, and, yeah. and that has happened. Yeah. So we need to do our best to, uh, as leaders, as business owners, to show them that um, we care more. We care as much about them as making money. We couldn't we couldn't stay in business if we didn't make money. We couldn't pay them if we didn't make money. Yeah. Um, but we also have to show them that they're important to us. We care about them. We care about their working conditions. Um, you, you don't have to bring in. You, you don't have to bring in a uh, union to make our uh, working conditions better. If we care about people, we'll provide uh, safety. We'll provide nice trucks, safe trucks, new tires often when needed. Whatever. Um, mm-hmm. All those types of things, and even uh, inside a clean, safe working area, uh, matters. Um, so let's jump to um, some of your. Uh, give us a couple examples of poor leadership that you've experienced in your short life uh, since you played sports. I don't know what fifth grade you started playing baseball, mm-hmm. somewhere in there, yeah. and then you played baseball, you played football, you wrestled uh, track. Um, and now you're into ju- uh, jujitsu. What's it called? Yeah, Brazilian jujitsu. There you go. Uh, so anyway, we just keep going here. We don't stop, make mistake, keep going. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, give us a couple examples of good leadership, uh, bad leadership. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I'll just start with uh, the the coach that made me want to be a teacher and a coach originally, and, and led me on this trajectory that I'm on now. Um, what was good was you always know you always knew what was expected you never had to wonder because <laughs> you knew and uh it was reiterated uh, we were reminded there were standards uh i mean if you had the wrong shade of white <laughs> socks you know you were doing up downs or bear crawls you know like it was like little things like that mattered um you know if you had um the you know seriously like it you know there's it, it was there. I have some funny stories about that, but yeah, just wrong color socks, wrong length of socks, length uh, of hair that mattered. Yeah. I, I showed up one too many times unshaven and, uh, <laughs> that was, always, that was a problem too. Um, I was actually, I was actually uh, listening to Matthew McConaughey's book on, um, uh, the green lights. Uh, and, and he was telling a story about his brother who had long hair 
And uh, coach said, I'm going to cut you from the team if you don't cut that hair. And uh, he's like, well, I'm not cutting it. And so his dad's driving him to school. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he says, listen, son, you know, like, just cut your hair. He's going to cut you from the team. And, uh, you know, he, he looks, well, dad, you know, Jesus had long hair. And his dad was quiet. He thought he won the battle. <laughs> and so they're driving to school, and, and, and dad drives past school. What are you doing, Dad? Where are you going? And uh, you know, so they're about they're about five miles from school, give or take. And uh, he says, "Well, Jesus walked everywhere too. Have a good day." <laughs> and so, like, just like you know, it's just it's it's funny. I've I've got a lot of stories about that. But yeah, you know, you had to have your hair cut a certain way, had to shave. I mean, this is this is high school football. You know, like it's it's not the military, but it was treated like it was, and and that was actually a good thing for a lot of reasons. Uh, there were there were standards, there were expectations, and everybody knew them. There was never a question. You never had to show up this day and say, well, what kind of what kind of mood's coach gonna be in today? What you know, he was very consistent. Uh, he was he was he was very, very consistent. Well that's and, a good um, lesson right there. Consistency and leadership. Yeah. I mean if if your employees have to wonder, you know, is is the boss going to come in hung over today or is he, you know, what kind of mood's he going to be in? That's a problem. You can't you gotta be consistent. You know, you gotta you gotta you gotta be there for your team. You know, you 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 are nothing. You are only as strong as your weakest link. I mean, that's a cliche, yeah. but it's so true. You know, if you're not if you're not taking care of the guys at the bottom, maybe not you directly, but if your if your team that you trust is not taking care of the guys at the bottom, I mean, you're not you're not going to be successful. And uh, so they they have to come in every day and and know um, what's well, expected. Yeah, they have to know what's expected and know what they're going to encounter that day. And so far, like in you can't you can't control what you're going to encounter outside of the walls of the workplace. Like, but when they show up in the morning. And they're they're prepping their truck. They're they maybe have a meeting, like a team meeting. Maybe have, um, you know, whatever it is, whatever they're expected to do before heading out uh, on the on the road for the day. Um, you know, what happens inside the walls should be very consistent and yeah. predictable, and uh, that's that's really important. Yeah, and and uh, you should have systems in place so when they do come in every day, the system is this, just like this football coach who I know who he is. The this, this you knew the system. And you adapted to it, and you got used to it until you liked the system. Yeah, you, nobody liked it at first. Right. Nobody. <laughs> but we all came to appreciate it. And yeah. it also, as an employee, it helps if you'll be consistent. If you're an employee and you're listening to this, you come in every day consistent because we have some who come in every day and we never know what mood they're going to be in. Mm. Yeah, it's two-way street. It's a two-way street. Yeah. Um we try to have systems so where you come through this door, you know exactly what's expected of you, and there's no surprises because mm-hmm. I don't like surprises. <laughs> and uh, so we do, we do have, uh, we do try for that, and that's very important though because I've worked for companies there wasn't consistency. Yeah, the boss, the owner, the owner of this company would get here one day at seven fifty, and the next day at eight ten. We might get to the job by nine if we were lucky. It could be nine <laughs> fifteen, but. Consistency matters, so that's good stuff. What what else you got? Um, well, I guess I guess you know I could I could talk about that for a long time. There's but I, I think consistent. We we hit the nail on the head there. I think uh, but on the flip side, um, you know maybe some not so great uh, leadership experiences. Um, I've got two that come to mind, and they were very similar experiences. So I'll just mesh them into one. Um, okay. But if someone comes to you and says, "Hey, can I have a meeting real quick?" Here's here's where I'm at. Here's the situation I'm having. Uh, I want to do this to the best of my ability. Um, you know, I'm I'm really concerned with my performance here. I'm concerned that I'm you know I'm I'm 
I I want to make you guys look good. Help me make you look good. Give me give me some feedback here. You know, I got and and they literally said, "Well, I think you're doing fine." And it's like, "Well, if I thought I was doing fine, I wouldn't be here." Right. And so I I really need you to, you know, th- stop. Like I'll leave. I'll leave. I'll let you I'll let you think about it for 20 minutes. I'll go run another errand real quick, come back, but I really am looking for some feedback here. And well, it's that quick feedback again. If you're not interested in giving feedback, you should probably just be a one-man shop. Well, that's good. True. So, um, you know, the, in today, especially in today's world. Yeah. I, you, seriously, I mean, if you're not if you're not interested in because it's it's mentorship, it's growth. Like you're you're not, you know. Eventually, I hope I hope your goal, um, you know, if you're if you're if you're a trade if you're in a trade and you're a business owner, I hope your goal is to be able to be not hands off, but it, what, when did you first get out of a van? How many years in? Yeah. Um, well, I took off different hats at a time, but probably by the third year I was out of a service truck. Yeah. And so eventually your goal should be able to step away from things and, and become more of the overseer and the mentor and the leader and, and be employed from the neck up. Yeah. And Quit so touching things. Exactly. And so like you, you, you train, and eventually you trust people to be able to do that for you. And so like your, your goal shouldn't be to be, you know, you shouldn't, your employees shouldn't have to worry about you being too busy to talk to, you know, um, your, your employees shouldn't have to worry about you um, being stressed out on a call. You know, like you really need to get to a point where even if you're not always available, like radical availability is, is a term that I really like. Um, but you know, what is it? Radical availability. Um, you don't have to go overboard with that. You know, like it, just because someone knocks on your door doesn't mean you have to see them every single time, but just being open and saying, Hey, actually right now is not a great time, but what's, what's, uh, what's first thing tomorrow morning look like? What's, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, take a longer lunch break tomorrow. I'll meet you. I'll meet you out in the field somewhere, whatever it is, right. like just radical availability and being able to, uh, you know, maybe that's not a, a super low-level guy. Maybe one of your managers or something would ask you to have lunch or something. Whatever the case may be, depending on your work culture. But, like, being able to uh, be available is incredibly important. Nobody wants to go to their – like, it's hard to go to your boss, right? Like, there's uh, there's there's dynamics there that, that aren't always comfortable, uh, even if you like your boss. And uh, so to be able to knock on the door and say, hey, like, I'm really concerned about this. I'm concerned uh, – you know, maybe I'm, I'm falling behind a little bit. How can I get caught up? You know, like being able to, you know, man up more or less and uh, have that conversation with your boss. Like you can't, you can't blow that person off. Right. You know, they're not, they're not going to be, they probably won't be around very long because if they're assertive enough to approach you, they're also assertive enough to leave and approach somebody else that's going to give them the feedback that they're looking for and like the growth that they're looking for. Because feedback, it's not just, oh, tell me I did good. Um, you know, like, tell me, tell me what I'm doing. Great. You know, it, it's like, Hmm, I'm actually not sure how I'm doing. Um, and I, I, I want to grow. Like it, like feedback is growth. And so, I mean, I could, I, I've, I've probably said it a hundred times in this, in this, in this podcast. So hopefully it hits home, but you know, I think feedback is the biggest thing and, and being available to give it. You know? Yeah. And I think it, it works both ways the same way because, you know, um, we're not giving uh, business owners. We're probably not giving enough feedback. We're probably not meeting with people often enough. How often do you do your reviews? How often do you give a review without an increase? And then you've got, um, then you've got 
um, someone who's, we've talked about the average job today. We, it used to be 12, 10 to 12 years and now it's, you know, three to four years people stay. And that's a problem. I don't think people, I don't think people actually want that. I think people actually want to find a place they can sink their teeth into and establish some roots. Um, but they don't take the time to meet with the owner or the boss or the manager or the operate yeah. operations manager or anyone. They don't take the time and say, Hey, if things were a little bit different, I don't want to leave. I want to stay. Mm -hmm. I, but they don't. They, they're e the easy way out is just bail, mm -hmm. thinking that grass is greener across the street, and it's not long. You're gonna you're gonna see that grass has a lot of weeds in it, yep. probably more weeds than what you left, um, because lack of communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think yeah, I, you hit yeah, you're right there. Uh, the lack of communication in that context basically means you maybe you think you're providing avenues for them to approach you, but you might not be. Um, so you really need to you really need to evaluate that. And you know, it, everything here is a two-way street. It's not just on the employer. It's not just on um, the managers. it's it's also on the employees, but there's a reason managers get paid more right. than, than just we have to do our job. part to get Provide them to talk, avenues. communicate, yeah. find out what we can do better. A lot of times, we're willing to do better. We're willing to learn more about them. We're willing to make changes. They just, don't let us know. Mm -hmm. And they just bail. Um, yeah. And and you find out, you know, every excuse in the world as to why they left, but it's really never the right one. It's never the true one. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, you, I, we've talked about the importance of taking the high road, though. Yes. And trying to leave on, you don't want to burn bridges, you know. That's right. But, you know, it, it happens. Some, you know. Um, I think... I think that's it though is you know it's it's everything's a two-way street but managers and people in leadership positions in general have a greater responsibility like probably twofold at least you know of a responsibility to make those avenues available and if people don't take advantage of them you can't I mean you can't force people to take advantage of things but but you can control what you do and if you're not making the avenues um, and if you're not providing availability if you're not um, really being conscientious of like you know, it's like it's like training a dog. Like you don't you don't give a dog a treat an hour after he sat. <laughs> like you 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 gotta yeah. you, if you want to reinforce that positive behavior, you have to do it immediately so that they know. Oh, this feedback I'm getting was because I absolutely crushed it today on this install, or because I sold a really difficult job um, that frankly the odds were stacked against me. You know, so like you, like be quick. You know, don't, yeah. don't, don't congratulate them when the money comes in necessarily, like, right. you know, like, like weeks later when you get paid, like do it, like when it happens, um, you know, the, it's, it's extremely motivating, you know? So that's, I think, I think being quick. Well, is, that's more, that's more of instant gratification. If yeah. you get, if you get praised instantly when it happens instead of next week or yeah. tomorrow. Right. All right. Wrapping it up here. What else, um, what else would you, um, like to say, um, what advice or comments would you like to make before we wrap it up? I, I think we covered a lot. And, um, you know, we, we harped on two or three really good things over and over. And, and so hopefully that sinks in. Hopefully that hits home and, and it can be implemented. Uh, thanks for having me on. I, uh, unless you have more questions for me, I'm, I'm. No, I I'm do. Good. I just do want to tell our audience that, um, you know, we've had, uh, We've had great relationship, father and son. We've done a lot of cool things, Indian guides, all those types of things, father and son. But but somewhere somewhere uh, uh, 
few years back, I mean, Travis sat down with me and was very open with me as a father and a son and, and said, you know, there were a couple of things that has really been bothering me that you've done and opened up to me and we, he shared them and we discussed them and worked through them. And, um, and it was probably the best thing he could have done. Um, I, you know, I thought about that. I wish I could have done that with my dad. I wish he would have been open to discuss them and learn from them instead of just thinking I was criticizing him. Um, and we have a great relationship today mm -hmm. and not too many people have a podcast and get to interview their son. So I mm -hmm. am, uh, this is great, a great time, uh, for me. And, uh, I hope it comes out good and I hope you can take, there's some things to take away from this because there is, and you've heard from, uh, someone who's 26 years old who has worked since he was five years old, but also worked with a lot of people his age and got to hear things and, got to experience a lot of different kinds of leadership that we can learn from. Um, I've got some takeaways uh, as well. But anyway, as always, um, we, we want to make you think different. We want to make you sleep better at night and definitely hiring a younger crowd of people, training them properly, getting them in the trade, keeping them, making them stick in your company is definitely going to do that. So I hope this helps. And as always, have a great day. And uh, we'll see you next time.